you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 13. We're in Matthew chapter 13 as we continue our summer sermon series on parables, how Jesus told stories to shape our minds. And today I'm going to read four or five new parables for us. They are short ones. And we'll look at the specifics about these parables next week. But before we get into specifics, I want us to see something more generally that Jesus is teaching us. Because Jesus tells us something in these parables about how to know God. When many of us ask the question, how can I know God? We think we have to look at something other than what is right in front of us. And part of that is because of the culture that we live in. You see, the cultural narrative of our day is that God is something that we think about or talk about in private, but not in public. That knowing God is not something we do in the real world. If that's something you feel like you need, then you're to work that out in your own personal subjective space because the public spaces are neutral and objective, and by that we mean godless, neutral, and objective. And so since the public is a neutral, objective, godless place, you don't find God there or bring God into that space. So if you want to know God, you need to go someplace else, not the real world, somewhere into your subjective personal experience. Maybe you go to a secluded place away from everyone else to know God. Now, there may be some some value in that. I tend to hear God better if I get away from the hustle and bustle of life. And so going to a secluded place can help us hear God and get to know God better. But that being said, it is interesting to me that in these parables we're going to look at today, Jesus introduces us to God and to the kingdom of God by pointing out everyday things from the real world that are right in front of us that we see all the time. And some of the questions we have are answered by God. And he answers them by having us look at the real physical world around us, not some private, secluded place. And so I want you to notice today, as we look at these parables today, I just want you to notice how Jesus calls our attention to food and to fields. How he calls our attention to our jobs and our work, to cooking and to merchants, to just everyday things as Jesus invites us to know God by looking at the everyday things of life that are all around us all the time. So listen for that as we come to Matthew chapter 13. I'm going to begin reading in verse 31. I'll tell you when I skip some to some other parables, and then I'll pray for us and we'll dig in. Here now, God's word from Matthew chapter 13, beginning in verse 31. He put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all the seeds, but when it is grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. 
He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till it was all leavened. Then if you skip over, there's another parable he tells, beginning in verse 44. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. Then the next parable is about fishermen using their nets, and he goes on to tell more parables that we will talk about in specifics next week. Let's pray as we come to God and think about this one thing, this one point we've raised today. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. God, we often search for you and want to know you and are not sure how to do that. Would you show us that now? Would you use these simple stories that Jesus told to work in our hearts, to change our minds, that you would give us eyes to see, that you would give us ears to hear, that we might know you and we might know what your kingdom is like through the things that we see in our everyday lives around us. Please come and do that and point that out to us, even through the sin-stained lips of a foolish preacher. For it is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Maybe it has happened in your home as well as it has happened in mine. TV watching for the night is done, or we want to change to another program, and so we need the remote control in order to make the TV work. Nobody knows how to turn off the TV or to change the channel with something other than the remote, What these little buttons that are on the TV. Nobody knows how those work. But we can't find the remote control. So the lights come up in the room, we start pulling up cushions, we start pulling furniture back from the wall, and of course, as you begin to do that, we find all sorts of things. Pens, pencils, popcorn, scrunchies. If you don't even know what those are, you don't have daughters, I think you're supposed to wear them in your hair. Half the time I see them on people's wrists, I don't know. One of my daughters says, there's that scrunchie I've been looking for find scissors down in the cushions. My wife says, they're those scissors I've been, I've been needing. And so we find all these things. And of course, they've been there the whole time, right in our midst, right where we were. We just didn't see them. We didn't realize that they were there in our midst. Perhaps we even find the remote control in this search. We do that with things all the time, don't we? Our keys, our phones. Sometimes the things we're looking for are right in front of us, but we just don't see them. When these parables, as Jesus answers the deep questions that we have about life and about God and about the kingdom of God, Jesus calls us to look at what is right in front of us that is often hidden to us. Jesus calls us to look at things that are right out in the open, that are very public, that are in the physical world all around us. If you haven't been with us in the sermon series, here are the kinds of questions we've dealt with. 
We asked the question the first week, Jesus is healing all these people. He's gathering a following. Why are some people opposed to Jesus and not hearing his message? And in response to that question, Jesus says, that's a great question. Let me tell you a story about a sower throwing out seeds and the different kinds of soils that that seed lands in. That's how Jesus answers that question. Or last week, we dealt with the question that if God is so good, then why is there bad stuff in the world? That's the question that we had. If God is so good and he's in control of all things, then why are there bad things in the world? And Jesus answers that question by saying, let me tell you a story about a field that contains both wheat and weeds. You can go back and see how that answers the question we were asking. You can listen to that on our podcast, right? Redeemer Shoals, wherever you get your podcasts. But the point is, to answer these big questions of life and to tell us something about God and his kingdom, Jesus points these people to things that they look at and they see all the time, the things that are right there around them. Do you notice that? That the way Jesus is teaching about God and answering these deepest questions is not by withdrawing from the physical world into some private space, coming up with some esoteric proofs for God. But Jesus answers these questions by pointing us to the real, public, tangible, physical, everyday things that are right around us. Jesus calls us to look at what is right in front of us that is often hidden to us. These things seem hidden, not because God is mean or because he's playing some game with us, but the problem is we no longer see rightly. Remember, we talked about that the first week. If you look back, Jesus, when they ask him, hey, why do you speak in parables? Do you remember he quotes Isaiah in Matthew 13, beginning of verse 14? And he says, indeed, the case, the case of the prophecy with Isaiah is fulfilled that says, you will indeed hear, but never understand. You will indeed see, but never perceive. For these people's hearts have grown dull, and with their eyes they can barely with their eyes they can their ears they can barely hear their eyes they have closed lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn and I would heal them. And so Jesus says, listen, the problem is not with God, it's not that he's hiding himself from us. The problem is with us that we see but we don't see. We see but we don't perceive. We don't take in what is right in front of us. The problem's not with God, it's with us. And so to help us see, Jesus points to these real, normal, everyday things. It's as if he's saying, would you like to know about God? All of these parables start, the kingdom of heaven is light. Would you like to know about the kingdom of God? And these folks who are being oppressed by Rome are like, yes, because I want the kingdom of God to come and get the Roman kingdom out of here. And then Jesus says, okay, if you would like to know about God and his kingdom, let's look at farmers and fields. Let's look at wheat and weeds. 
Let's look at seeds and trees and the nests of birds and how bread works when you bake it and how leaven works with flour to make the dough rise. Let's talk about buying a field, buying real estate. Let's talk about merchants who buy pearls for their business, for fishermen and their nets. Jesus talked about the everyday things that all of these folks were around in their everyday lives. So today we learned something very basic from Jesus. And I didn't want us to go into the specifics of these parables without nailing down this point. All right. So here's the point. Only one point today. Right. Here's the point. Jesus says that we can know about God by looking at the real physical world. We can learn things about God and about his kingdom by looking at the everyday things that are around us. Jesus seems to be saying to us in the day that we live in, the culture that we live in, not to listen to the culture, not to believe that God is something kept in private and not in public. Jesus seems to think is that, that, God, that knowing God is something we do in the real world. And it's something that we don't just work out in our own personal subjective space, but it, but that we see God in public spaces that are not neutral, but they're full of evidence of who he is and what he is like. Great song selections today. This is my father's world, the first one we sang. Maybe you were thinking Father's Day. But man, for this sermon, Jesus is saying, look, the evidence that this is God's world is all over the place if we have the eyes to see. Theologians call this doctrine the doctrine of general revelation. And so I want to talk to you about that just for a moment today, the doctrine of general revelation. We don't talk about this doctrine a whole lot in the church. Sometimes church folks are a little nervous about this doctrine of general revelation that we can know things about God by looking at the world around us because we're afraid that it may undermine our commitment to Scripture. And so, so I just want to allay your fears. If that's where you are, uh, what is he going to say about God from just looking at the creation? Let me just let me just allay your fears. There are some things that you cannot know about God by just looking at the world around us. You have to have the Word of God. I know the women in Sunday school, y'all just talked about the Word, and then he's talking about something that might... This is not inconsistent with what you learned, because there are some things we have to have the Bible for, right? To know how to be saved, right? You can't look at the creation and know that God sent his son, that God took on flesh and came into the world and lived a perfect life and and died the death that we deserve so that we can be made right with him. There are some things about God's will that we can't see by any other way than specific revelation, special revelation that we get in his word. So the word is certainly necessary for those things. So don't get nervous as we talk about the world around us. But notice that the word itself, the Bible says, we can learn things about God and his kingdom by looking at the world around us. Did you notice that in the call to worship that we had today? Psalm 19. If we still have that, let's put that back up. We said this together. Lee started this off in Psalm 19 in our call to worship. that will be appearing 
soon, hopefully. Remember it says that the heavens declare the glory of God. There we go. Right on, right? The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Right? That by looking at the heavens, by looking at the skies, we know something about God, that he must be creative, that he must be glorious, that he must be powerful to make something, to conceive of something in his imagination. That as we look at them, day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge that just by looking at the skies, the heavens, we can know something about God. Psalm 19 that we had for our call to worship. There's a place in the New Testament where Paul writes about this in Romans Chapter 1, beginning in verse 18, Paul writes, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Watch verse 19. For what can be known about God? So he's talking about knowing God. What can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. Okay, well, how do they know these things about God? How has God shown it to them? Verse 20, for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and his divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made so that they are without excuse. Do you hear what the Apostle Paul is saying there? He's saying that in the creation in the things that have been made, just by looking at those things, without a Bible, just looking at what God has made from the creation of the world, that even unrighteous, ungodly people who deny the truth can look at the creation and see invisible attributes of God, such as His divine nature, such as His power, that they could look and see his eternal power and his divine nature just from the things that have been made, just by looking at the world around us. We can know God, something about God, by looking at what is right in front of us. It's interesting in Acts 14, when Paul and Barnabas go to a group of people who don't have any background with God, they don't know the Old Testament scriptures, they're not filled with, they are pagan people. And Paul and Barnabas go to them and begin talking to them. And as they present evidence for the God who created all things, for the God of the universe, they say, yet he, that's God, did not leave himself without a witness, right? This is the evidence for God, the testimony for God, that you, people who have never seen the Bible, would know him. He did good by giving you rains from heaven and fruitful seasons, satisfying your hearts with food and gladness. Paul appeals to the physical world, rain, fruitful seasons, food, gladness, as evidence for God. Notice that this is not a private, individualistic view, right? He's saying that the rain that Jesus says God calls us to fall on the righteous and unrighteous, that the heavens that everybody sees, the skies, 
that all these things, that's why it's general revelation, that anyone can look at these things and see it's not a private individualistic view. Paul does not say that God is something kept in private and that it's not public. To the contrary, he says these are things that everybody can see all around us, wherever we are in the world. So Paul tells us to look at the real physical, everyday things of life, the rain, the harvest, gladness of our hearts, and to ask, where does all that come from? Paul says it comes from God. That it is evidence of Him. It is testimony. It is a witness to Him, to His goodness. So the Psalms and the Apostle Paul and certainly Jesus in Matthew 5 and again in these parables all say that there is a way of knowing God by looking at the real, physical, public world. That's the one point for today. We can look at the world around us, things we often just quickly pass by, and we can know things or be reminded things about God. Thank you for that one point, Scott. Let's pray. Let's go home. Why is this important? Why are you telling us this? Why do we need to know the doctrine of general revelation? Well, let me just mention three things quickly. I knew there'd be three in here somewhere. We're not going to get away with just a one-point sermon, right? He's got three applications. All right, sorry. That was inside voice. First implication Certainly it means that God cares about the public, physical, ordinary world, right? That Jesus cares about those things. That they're a reflection of what God is like. That we often think our everyday lives are divorced from God, that he's far away, that we can't see him, that he's not really a part of our world. But that's a problem with our perception, right? It's not that God is distant, it's that we can't see him in the things that are right in front of our face. That the everyday things are important to him. You do know that Jesus, by his life, death, and resurrection, not only redeems lost sinners and lost souls to God, but Colossians 1 said he is redeeming all things to God. Romans 8 says the entire creation is groaning as in the pains of childbirth. It was been subjected to frustration because of our sin that we brought into the world. And Jesus is not only making us right with God, but he's making all things right. He's making all things new. He's making all things the way they were designed to be. So Jesus obviously cares about the public, physical, ordinary, real world. And as followers of Jesus, we should too. That's the first thing. Second, I've already mentioned, we live in this cultural moment where the narrative is There is a public, real world of everyday life, and God is not there. Then there's your private, personal, subjective life, and you can have God there if you feel like you need a God for your life or for the things that overwhelm you. That's the cultural narrative. And so what I need you to know as followers of Jesus is Jesus disagrees with that narrative. Okay, Jesus does not think that narrative 
is true. Jesus says, if you want to know God, then you should not rule out public life. That you should not ignore the things that are all around us all the time that are evidence of who God is and what He is like. Jesus would say we should look to the sun or the moon to know what God is like. That we should look to the stars. That the rain should be a reminder to us of Him. That the lilies of the field, that the birds of the air, that baking bread and seeing it rise as a reflection of God and His kingdom. We'll talk about how next week. That fishing that planting, harvesting, that gladness of heart, that all this is evidence of the God that we're looking for. You know, it's so ironic to me. Our culture is asking, and if you don't believe our culture is asking these questions, listen to the music, look at the art, listen to the movies that are produced, but our culture is asking, begging, crying out. The culture is saying, where can I find hope? Where can I find love? Where can I find security? Where can I find provision? Where can I find significance? Where can I find security? Where can I find satisfaction? Where can I find real acceptance? Our culture is begging for the answer to those questions, but then tells us you cannot look in public places, so God seems nowhere to be found. And Jesus says just the opposite. He says, no, you are removing the information that you need to find God. Jesus is telling us when you do that, you are ripping up the map that would lead you to what you are looking for. (laughs) And then the irony is folks get mad at God that he has not made it clear enough for them when there is evidence for him all around us. How deceived we are. You know, I was just thinking about the sermon last week and how Evil in the world, people say that's evidence for there not being a God. That's interesting. Then what's your answer to the problem of good? Where did that come from? I mean, is it really your position that all the good things in the world we've created, but the evil we're somehow perplexed by and we're not sure where that came from, and so we're going to put that on God. So all the good stuff is because we've created it, and the bad stuff, we're going we're gonna to blame that on God? Really? Because I think it might be just the other way around, that God created all things good, that things are broken and messed up because of our poor choices. We're so confused and lost as we listen to the cultural narrative. And so that leads me to the third thing. We must ask God for eyes to see and for ears to hear. We're so blind. Or we become bored or indifferent to what is right in front of us. And seeing, we don't see. And in hearing, we don't hear. May God help us to see what is right in front of us. May we have more of those 
losing the remote control moment where we turn on the lights and we shift the cushions and we move the furniture around and we begin to see things that we've been missing even though they've been right here in our midst the entire time, we just didn't see them. I was talking to the worship team this morning as we were talking about where we were going to the service and what we wanted to see happen. And I said, this, this, is the, this is where I would want us to be. It's not that I want people to quit reading their Bible. I want them to read the Bible to know God's Word. Where I think I would want us to land is if we see a tree planted by streams of water, and that tree is flourishing, that we would remember or realize that people who meditate day and night on God's Word are like that tree planted by streams of water, that that would be a reminder to us, that we see a picture of what it looks like to meditate on God's Word day and night. Psalm 1 tells us that's a picture of what it looks like. Or, like the parable we talked about last week, that if we see weeds growing in the midst of our grass in our yard, that we would be reminded that good and bad can coexist together. And that the presence of weeds does not mean that I don't have grass. And that the presence of evil does not mean that God is not there. It just means that he's letting the weeds and the grass grow together until he decides differently. Or we talked this morning in Sunday school about vines in our yard and sometimes how vines can just grow up a tree. It can be taking over. And, and Paul von Herman did a great job of leading. He said, you know, if you snip those vines at the bottom... In a few days, all the vines die because those branches are connected to what's at the bottom. Oh, it would be my hope that as we see that, we would be reminded and we would think to ourselves that that's a fresh invitation for us to depend on Christ, to abide in Him, since He's the one that said, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me, he will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. What if we got to winter and we saw snow? And it was a reminder to us, as Isaiah 1 says, that though our sins are as scarlet, he washes us white as the snow that we see. Let's ask God for eyes to see. And if you see, ask God that you would, that He would never let you lose your ability to see the glory that He has in all the world around us, public and private. Because Jesus says this is one way we can know God. Let me just close with one last appeal. I'm so sensitive to our culture and the cultural moment that we live in. And some of us desperately want to know God. But we've bought into this cultural narrative which removes the very information that we need to find God. The map has been ripped up before we could even read it. The very map that would lead us to what we desperately want and what we're clearly looking for. I call you, ask 
Jesus for eyes to see. Because Jesus says one way we can know God and know his kingdom is by seeing what he is like from the world around us. Let's ask him for eyes to see. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we are so blind to things that are right in front of us. I just pray for my own heart and for my friends around me that as we come into contact with everyday things, that they would be reminders of your goodness, of your glory, of your eternal power, of your divine nature, of your goodness, of your creativity, of your grace and mercy to your people. Please show up for us. Help us to see you clearly. I pray that we'd be people who point the evidence for you out to those who are around us. That we would not be afraid to look for you in public spaces where others say, we cannot find you. That we would be quick to point you out in those places. And that we would do all that for your glory and for our good. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.